Well, Nick, we did it. 50 episodes. 50? Yes, 50, Ursula, or should I say Honey Rider. But, but look, as awesome as you look with that dagger holstered to your waist, I was talking to Nick. The name is Jaworski. Nick Jaworski. That sounds, like, awesome, right? Oh, oh, man. I mean, I'm online, and the bookmakers have just sandwiched you between Idris Alba and Damien Lewis at 12 to 1 odds to be the next James Bond. Wait, wait, wait. I'm behind Idris? I gotta go talk to my agent. Look, I don't know, man. Look, but those aren't bad odds. I mean, think about what Leicester City did at 5,000 to 1, so... Uh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know what sport that is. If it's not the Cardinals and not baseball, then you've lost me. F- fair enough. Okay, anyways, we digress. As I was saying, Nick, we did it. 50 episodes. Woo! And over the course of 50 episodes, the show has grown and changed to reflect both our relationship, Nick, but also our relationship with our listeners out there. Yeah, that's right. And from the first episode that you wrote on listening, we've done 50 different topics. (laughs) I mean, I barely know like 50 words to begin with. So that's pretty impressive. And on top of that, every week we try to tackle each topic with a new lens. So just in the second season alone, we did a, a Back to the Future Robert Frost mashup. Awesome. A music episode with the help from some listeners. Oh, and don't forget about our Christmas special, Nick. <laughs> That's right. And oh, our serial parody episodes on Truth and Lies. And we did a 48-hour challenge where the listeners chose a topic. That's right. That was our trauma episode. And the fact is that while we love creating this show, it's exhausting. <laughs> Yes. Last August, we essentially dropped dead after completing 29 episodes in 29 weeks. I mean, we were in the middle of producing an episode and we literally just stopped. That's, That's right. We just stopped. And this time we could feel the pull of exhaustion a couple months back. So we've planned our break ahead of time. And we decided that maybe an episode that focused on taking a break would be a perfect meta show for us. Now, Nick, obviously, we think breaks are a good thing. But, you know, what we found while making this episode is that there's a lot of good reasons that really didn't even occur to us when we first decided to take this break. Ooh, that's some excellent foreshadowing, Brett. Thank you. You know what? You know, you know, I don't usually like teeing up cliffhangers before the theme. But since it's a special day, why don't you go ahead and do it, Brett? <laughs> really? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Will Will Brett and Nick end up up taking taking a break? break? And if so, what did they learn along the way? And will there be another needless Celine Dion reference? Find out next on Where There's Smoke. Perfect. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This is our final episode of Season 2, and we're talking about the value of taking breaks in our life and work. To help us, we are talking with author, executive, and striving yogi Karen Bajaj. Plus, a few more digs for the road. My name is Brett Gaida. My name is Nick Jaworski. Let's start the show. I was like an engineer, business school graduate, started working for Procter & Gamble. I didn't even conceptualize that I could be any kind of a creative writer at all, right? So that's 28 years of my life. And then I'd spent five, six years at Procter & Gamble at that point. And then I felt like 
I just felt, I, I don't know if there's any better way to describe it. I just felt a very crushing sense of mediocrity. I felt like life was very, like, average. This is Karen Bajaj, a former marketing executive for Kraft Foods, currently the CMO of the cult mom brand Aiden and Anais, a three-time best-selling fiction author in India, and his latest book, a work of literary fiction titled The Yoga of Max's Discontent, was just released internationally by Random House. Here he is discussing what led him to take a year-long break from his career in 2006. I was working a job, getting a good paycheck, and then in the like, you know, people around me would talk about houses, and and it was, and I could see where this life was leading, and and that was kind of really the impetus. There was no some great like awakening of any kind. There was just this impetus that um, that I can. It's a very predictable average life. So I decided to take a year off to just travel. Uh, and, and so it was as simple as that. I can very much relate to Karen's experience here, as I had a very similar moment when I was 25 years old, or what a friend later dubbed my quarter-life crisis. Whoa, Brett, you're friends with John Mayer? <laughs> no, no. Oh, well, can you become friends with John Mayer? Because I've got some questions for him. Well, now I've got questions about what kinds of questions you would have for John Mayer. <laughs> but but look, we, we've already digressed twice in the show now. We need to get back to it. Fine, but we're, we're going to talk about this when the show's over. Anyway, when I was a teenager, I thought I was going to buy my parents' house from them and then raise my own kids in it. But then there I was. 25 years old, going down that road, and suddenly it hit me like a two-by-four in the head. <laughs> Is this it? I'm gonna marry the girl I'm dating, get a good job, have two and a half kids in a house with a white picket fence. Now, for some, that might sound perfect, but it just didn't sit right with me. I realized that underneath the surface of my life, there was this feeling that there's something more out there for me to see to do, to be. And so I decided I was going to travel around the world, see what was out there. I ended up taking an eight-month trip through 23 countries. But when I left, I didn't know what it would be, how it would look, or where I would go. I had a year off from my company, flights booked into Europe and India, and then an open date ticket out of Malaysia. Everything in between remained to be seen. And so while Karen and I share a similar origin story with our first trip, that is where the similarities end. For Karen has continued to create year-long trips with consistency. He turned a singular trip into a career and life strategy. For every four years he works, he takes a fifth one off. Since that first trip, he has taken three sabbaticals in what he now calls the 414 model. I've worked for four years in a very conscious, goal-driven way. And that work means working in my corporate job in the morning to evening or whatever, and coming back and writing at a, at a, with, with a lot of discipline. Also, like writing, reading, researching, all of that stuff. So that's four years. And then I take a year of what is just a, a kind of a, like a plunge into nothing with no goals, no outcomes at all. And typically, it's a year of a little bit of like some anchors, like for instance, in the last sabbatical, the anchor was that I wanted to learn yoga and meditation without this idea that I want to become a yoga teacher or suddenly transform my life. Uh, but uh, I wanted to learn yoga and I just wanted to be making more and more decisions out of intuition. 
People fantasize about the idea of a sabbatical. Taking time off, living abroad, seeing a part of the world they've never seen, writing a book, studying yoga, learning to paint, learning a new language. According to a survey by the Tuck School of Business, 68% of women and 58% of men said that they would consider taking an extended leave from work. But while many consider the idea, it seems that few execute it. For many, it is years of someday, followed by years of any day now, followed by years of, oh, I think it's too late, followed by a few more decades of someday again. Now, maybe you're not one of those people. Maybe you are the other 32 or 42% from that Tuck School of Business survey and have no desire to take an extended leave. But what if it is not just about wanting that experience, but it is about realizing the layered benefits of it, and in turn, what it is costing you to not create those breaks? Now, would that be something you might be interested in? Definitely. Boom, I'm a matchmaker. One of the realizations I had in that initial eight-month trip I took was how much stress is created from just the run-of-the-mill details of everyday life. And until you remove yourself from it, you can't know. But all these little things like who do you have to call back, remembering to pick up milk on the way home, charging your phone, ordering refill cartridges for the printer, wishing Barry a happy birthday, taking your supplements, canceling that dinner reservation, they add up. It took me a while to notice it, but at one point in my travels, I realized I would lay my head on my pillow at night and fall asleep almost instantly because there was nothing to worry about think about. I wasn't rehashing the past or worrying about the future. I was just in the moment. And in the moment, you just shut off and go to sleep. There is so much we don't realize is happening or not happening because we are just in it every day, every month, every year. And without the contrast, we become like those fish we talked about way back in our attitude episode. We become the last ones to discover water because we are in it. As Karen and I spoke about the value of these sabbaticals, a lot of it felt to me like it was connected to our creativity episode, where David Usher spoke about how creativity exists in almost all areas of our life. I look at creativity as, as in all kinds of different things. It's, firstly, it exists in all sorts of different genres, right? It, it exists. It's not just about art. It's about, you know, it's about architecture. It's about math. It's about business. But it's also in conversation. It's in negotiation. It exists in all these different places of how we, how we interact with the world, right? Because as we dug into the benefits of long-term breaks, it became clear that they create a sort of creative expansion, which in turn leads to more professional excellence. For example, one might think, or maybe a better word is fear, that taking a year off every four years would damage their career trajectory or financial success. But that has not been Karen's experience. Not at all. It's been the opposite. And all, and like, but, but having said that, with each time that I've left, there's been this doubt. There's been the self-doubt that I'm like, you know, uh, abandoning my career, what will happen when I come back, I won't have a job, will I have enough savings to last for the year? There's always been the self-doubt has never gone away. But I've seen a pattern emerge with all three sabbaticals that once I come back, 
my career accelerates. It's actually, and, and not that I try to, again, it's not a deliberate intention, but if I look at the last 12 years or 13 years that I've done this, uh, like I'm uh, ahead or like equal and not, I don't even like compare in those terms, but to anybody who's uh, who's worked for that 12 years out of my business school, I'd probably have been like accelerated because what happens I think is that you grow so tremendously during this time off that in some form or the other, it is manifested in the world when you come back. I completely agree with that last observation. Many of the most productive times in my life have come following extended breaks. So why has that been the case with Karen, myself? Well, certainly there are some very tangible creativity muscles that you strengthen when you take a long, loosely planned trip and remove many of your conveniences and comforts. For one, in being more spontaneous and planning as you go, you learn to make decisions differently. You learn more intuitive decision-making, tuning into different types of information and observing with more than just your eyes and logic. Additionally, you build your resilience in a way that contributes to your decision-making and how you respond to situations. This idea that when you're going through extreme moments of resilience uh, or, or moments that build your resilience, periods of time that you're taking a cold shower alone in the mountains and like sleeping in the, uh, the on the floor of the ashram away from comfort i think those moments of extreme resilience do wonderful things for your creativity one they always unburden you because you know that you, you it you know very viscerally that you need need very little to get by right because if you if you've lived for months with nothing apart from a cold shower and a, like a floor in some ashram then when you come back, your decisions are very pure. Like, right, you don't want to make decisions out of this is good for my career, this is good for my financials. You really want to make decisions that come out of your heart because you know that you need very little to get by. And through these types of moments, which for me included trekking 15 days to Everest Base Camp, making it from Agra, India back to New Delhi with a 103 degree fever, using a pocket dictionary to facilitate two-way, one-word conversations in small towns in the Czech Republic. Through these moments, we find new perspectives. And these experiences change how we let situations impact us moving forward. Then there's always this, then this idea that like, you've gone through a lot so you don't react to situations and that frees up a lot of psychic energy which you can deploy towards your creativity. So for instance, the usual stresses of life, I don't have an immediate reaction to them at all. There is always a spontaneous pause that happens in which I just note the, the, note the feeling versus react to the feeling. And I think that like allows a lot of psychic energy to go into creative pursuits. You remember earlier, I mentioned how stressful everyday life is. Well, while you're gone, it doesn't change too much. But you change, which means that for you, the world you return to can be entirely different. You know, I think it was Anais Nim who said, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. <laughs> Generally, I'm not much of a Nim fan, but, but I do feel that bit sums you up to a T. And this is where I believe the most powerful value of this time away reveals itself, which is that we are not talking just about sabbaticals from our jobs or the cities we live in or even our family and friends, 
They are breaks from the identity we have created for ourselves, from the pictures we've painted, and an opportunity to play with a clean canvas for a year and see what ends up on it. Yes, absolutely. Because I think you start, uh, a lot of your opinions start to be about yourself get defined by how uh, unconsciously with just the noise around you. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, like in my world, at least a lot of my opinions had, it's not that I was like following convention. I just didn't know the boundaries of what convention was, what unconvention was, because we kind of grew up in a certain way. And like all my, like everybody talked about similar things. So it was very liberating to be alone because that's when I started, I guess, hearing myself a little bit. You see, when we are around people long enough, friends, family, coworkers, they create in their minds a representation of who they think we are. We become sort of a character to them. Oh, he's a, uh, quite a character, huh? Oh, yeah, I get it, Brett. Maybe your friends define you as a Bart Simpson, defiant, never ages, and, and loves skateboards. Eat my shorts. Or maybe you're a Leslie Nope, optimistic, loyal, and loves waffles. I, mean, I am so proud of her, I could cry. And here we go. Or maybe you're a Buffy Summers, smart, witty, and can straight up just kick some ass. All right, I get it. You're evil. Do we have to chat about it all day? And once you've been defined by others, people will often treat you as if you're the character that they have created for you. Exactly. And that's not too big a deal, except that if you get treated as that person long enough, it is easy to actually become that person to become the person who matches how others see you. During Karen's first year-long trip, he had this experience of re-identification or unidentification. For many of us, this first happens when we leave home to go to college, or maybe it's going to summer camp, or moving and attending a new school, or maybe it's going to live in a new city after college. These are moments when you get a clean slate, a tabula rasa, as the Romans used to say. And these are not just opportunities for us to be whoever we want to be. They are opportunities for us to let go of who we think we are and discover new parts of ourselves. Absolutely, exactly. And the first one for me happened unconsciously. Now I'm trying to do it even... Uh, like now, now I've moved it to doing it very deliberately because I think what happens is now people's noise doesn't affect me that much, but then I also start having attachments to things like even something as simple as I'm a vegetarian and I like green juice and I like this it's even those are I guess those are limiting forms of identity so it's almost like in a year uh, like when my wife and I did the last one we just go as monks you know with no preferences at all so if so for instance if you're spending three weeks in Bulgaria and all that there is to offer is chicken and fish and pork we'll eat it and not be attached to this identity that we are vegetarians and this identity refresher, if you will, happens not only with who we are, but also in the work that we do. But what happens after that is that if I continue in that mode, I'm regurgitating opinions in the world. So I've started to see that even my blogs that I'm writing end up becoming unconsciously a summary of the five different ideas that I've read recently, right? And they're not, there's nothing mystical and transcendental. And I, I don't want to use the word original because original also puts a burden of trying to be something in a way. And I, but there's nothing like, there's no mystical transcendental leap that surprises me. And I almost feel like I'm summarizing everything that I'm reading and listening to. 
Just like you can become a caricature of yourself, your work can suffer the same fate. I recently saw one of my favorite bands live. They are not super huge by any means, but they've had solid success, and I've been seeing them live for 20 years, almost their entire existence as a band. In that time, they've been one of the best live bands I know. They bring it every time they hit the stage, and their shows drip with sweat, reckless abandonment, and good old-fashioned rock and roll values. This band rocks! But this last show was different. I mean, they hit all the marks. They still played as great as ever, but something felt different. And it might have just been that night, I don't know, but I explained it to a friend of mine in a text by saying it was like they were playing the role of themselves. It felt like an act of their act, not their act. Again, connecting this to our creativity episode, we need to create space to create. And in this case, that space allows us to play with our identity and make sure that we do not become just a parody of ourselves doing the same thing over and over. It also acts as a refresher. The break allows us to reboot and come back much stronger, focused, aligned, and driven than when we left. You know, that is so refreshing to me. And that brings us back to our show, to where there's smoke, to me and Nick. Yo. Whoa, Nick, man, you startled me. God, I always forget you're like floating around in the edit with those headphones on. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that I'm sort of like a god here in the where there's smoke -averse. Um, I wouldn't go that far, Nick. But you do have a lot of power over the edits, so make sure you use it wisely. Of course I would, Brett. Would I ever use my power for anything other than good? You are the best, Nick. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Brett. Anyway, I was just talking about the benefits of sabbaticals or long breaks to our work. And I mentioned that it's really where we're at. You know, and I mean, you obviously knew this, but our listeners mm -hmm. don't. It's, it's gotten to a point where we know that we need to take our own advice. Yeah, because we know having looked at each other on Skype, this is becoming a little bit of a slog. Like, the episodes take a lot of emotional and mental energy from us each week. And sometimes we're concerned that you, the listeners, can sense that. And we definitely don't want that. So we need to take time to refresh so we can continue to give you the quality of episodes that we want to give you. And I think to also get out of the water, to go back to that fish analogy, you know, to take a look at what we are creating, how we are creating it, and freshen up. And we certainly don't want our show to ever sound like a cover version of our show. But I think it's worth noting that as much as we are looking forward to this time and what will come out of it, it's also a bit scary for us, too. Maybe you'll all forget about us while we're gone. Maybe when we come back, your podcast app will be full of new shows and we'll be squeezed out. Maybe we'll be trapped in the procrastination void that engulfed us between the first season and the second season. We don't know what's going to happen, but that's, that's the leap. Totally, Nick. And, you know, I do want to be clear. I mean, we realize that us taking a three-month break from where there's smoke and anyone taking a one-year sabbatical from their career are radically different as far as what is required. You know, the logistics, emotions, the risks, the fears. But in terms of the outcome, they may not be that different. Because I think American life is always about going from point A to point B, you know, going from lawyer to yoga teacher, from... HR professional to life purpose coach. Like, there's always like this idea of becoming. And in this year, I'm just relieving all concepts of becoming completely. 
like there's no becoming at all. I'm just uh, to your point, being in the moment, present, spontaneous. For us, this means that instead of becoming each and every week with the clock ticking and a deadline looming, we're gonna just take some time to be, sit in the sun, go for a bike ride, laugh with some friends, and not think about the show every day, every week, just for a little bit. And if something happens in July that happens to be a good topic for the show, I can't wait to be excited to work on that script. I mean, just think about how amped up we've been to work on this script since we know this is the last episode before a break. Right. Now, look, maybe in your life right now, because of any number of responsibilities, bills, family, business, you can't just walk away from work for a year. But if you can take time to consider, to think outside of the norm, maybe there is something you can do to help you rejuvenate, reset, Maybe there is a way to find that time, to create it. Because the costs you might be paying for go, 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 perform, 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 are likely bigger than you realize. And you work hard and you give so much. And frankly, you deserve a break. WTS, nor its subsidiary shows, are endorsed by McDonald's, Ronald McDonald, Grimace, or any other member of the McDonald's universe. So, maybe a year off isn't in the cards for most of us. At least not right now. But at the very least, take some time to make some time. If it's for a week, or a day, or even a couple of hours. We think you'll come back revitalized, refreshed, and renewed in what you create, and in who you are. So, so wait, Brett, is, is that it? Is this the end of the season? Um, well, I mean, we're, we're still going to do some other kind of quick things after this, but, but yeah, basically. We did it! <laughs> wait, 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 Nick, what, these people again, who are these other people? Don't worry about it. All right, so, so when are we going to get together to plan the next season? Hey, can we just enjoy this and then we'll get to that, you know, when we're ready? Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, see you soon, Brett. <laughs> see you soon, Nick. I want to thank Karen Bajaj for sharing his story and insights with us. Prior to talking to Karen, I read his latest novel, The Yoga of Max's Discontent. The Daily Telegraph called it the greatest adventure of our generation, and it was inspired by Karen's most recent one-year sabbatical, learning yoga and meditation in the Himalayas. FYI, until the end of May, you can order the book through his website and you'll get some other cool stuff. Uh, he's throwing in a meditation guide, a yoga course, a nutrition guide on quitting sugar. Um, so if you're curious, uh, check that out at karenbajaj.com forward slash yogamax. And I will spell that out. It is K-A-R-A-N-B-A-J-A-J.com forward slash Y-O-G-A. M-A-X. So thank you again, Karen. And uh, if that interests you, go check out that website and you can pre-order the book. And just so everybody knows, while we're taking a break, 
the Where There's Smoke feed, which is the place where you get the show on your phone or wherever, the feed is going to remain active. We have some some fun things planned for you out there, so make sure that you check back every few weeks. Yeah, I mean, definitely contrary to this episode, we're not totally going away. Um, and this is a great opportunity to remind you to sign up for our email list, because that way you won't miss a single solitary update. And to sign up, you can go to wheretheresmoke.co, Or, from your phone, you can text the word SMOKE to the number 66866. And, as always, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at ExploreWTS. And you can hear how we're doing. Thanks. Okay, so, a little bit of a heads up. We finished the show and uh, are very excited of season season finale, and we've got you know a break coming up, and I think Brett was really excited about that, and of course about um, his Toronto Raptors are playing, which is his favorite team, and so he had to go to that game, and uh, along the way he uh, clearly forgot to do digs, and we forgot to do that. So uh, I've been trying to get a hold of him, I can't uh, I can't do it, and uh, oh oh wait, um, okay, this is him. So just. Uh, yeah, just listen to this. Hello. Hey, there you are. Sorry, man. I uh, like didn't have phone service there. You've been texting me, calling me. What's up? What's up? You know I'm at the game. Yeah. Uh, do you think that um, you know? I know we're taking a break, and uh, that's great. Very excited about that. Do you think that maybe in your excitement about the basketball game, about the season being over, that maybe you forgot something? Forgot something. Yeah. It starts with a, thought, it starts with a D. And it rhymes with rigs. Oh, dude, we didn't do WTS digs. <laughs> we did not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I thought we were – I'm on early sabbatical. Yeah, well, I know. All right, well, well can we do it now? Yeah, well, okay, tell you what. Why don't you tell people what digs is? Uh, what digs is? Okay, so, so digs is uh, this weekly segment we do. Every time we have a show, we talk about basically what we're digging. Sometimes it's uh, – a TV show, sometimes it's a movie, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's coffee creamer. You really never know where we're going to go. But we just kind of share something that we're digging that, you know, you might dig too, so you can maybe go check it out. That's right. All right. So well, I'm going to go first since I've, you know, I'm prepared. Uh, oh, so. okay. And I, so that gives me like six minutes to think of something. All right. Six minutes? Good, thanks, All right. So. All right. What are you digging, Nick? All right. Well, I'm digging uh, a show on Netflix. I'm sure a lot of people heard about it. It's Maria Bamford's new Netflix show called Lady Dynamite, uh, co-created by Mitch Hurwitz, who did Arrested Development, and Pam Brady, who did some development work with the South Park guys and then wrote for the show. Lady Dynamite, it, it sort of loosely explores Maria's real-life mental breakdown that she had um, by telling stories from both the past and the present. It's really, really clever, and Maria is great. And I haven't finished the season yet, but I'm I'm very, very optimistic about it. The show is bright and super fast-paced. Don't try to text or do anything else while watching the show. You will miss something. <laughs> but it's it's got this, like, really sunny, colorful disposition that matches Maria, but um, really, like, hides the, some of the underlying issues. So that's great. That's uh, Lady Dynamite on Netflix. All right, Brett, what do you got? Okay, cool. Well, for, first of all, I've been meaning to check that show out, so I appreciate the extra nudge. Um, all right, so, so here's, here's, here's where I'm going I'm to go. Well, I'm going to do two real quick. First of all, just another shout-out, because I, I only get the chance once. 
to my Toronto Raptors. I'm, I'm in downtown Toronto, about to attend Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The entire sports media wrote us off. They were digging our grave. We won the last game, so I'm very excited about that. But as far as something you guys can check out, this kind of hit me, man. We're, you know, we talked about traveling today, right? And um, so, you know, when I was younger and I was single and things were a little bit easier as far as getting away, I used to take a trip every year or two, four weeks, sometimes six weeks. And uh, in 2000, I went to Australia, and I actually discovered this drink. So I'm going with a drink on the patios of Adelaide, Australia. So I'll send out a shout-out to all our Australian listeners, because we have a lot of Australian listeners. And it's my favorite summer mixed drink by far. It's actually really the only mixed drink I drink in the summer, and really the only one I drink at all. I mean, I love drinking a good beer. Uh, And that is a Campari and soda. So with an orange wedge, okay? Now, what I love about Camparis and sodas they're refreshing, they're light, they're very low alcohol. So you can kind of just sip them all day in the sun. It's, it's a little bit of a bitter. It's just a really, like, it really is genuinely my favorite summertime patio sipping drink. So for all of you out there, we're taking a little bit of a break over the next few months. It's going to be summertime for a lot of you. Uh, enjoy a Campari and soda on the patio. Think of me and where there's smoke, and that'll make me really, 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 really happy. Um, all right, Nick, so what is your second dig? Well, yeah, so I do have two digs, and uh, this is real quick. Now, Brett, I want you to imagine a world or a universe where the Beatles never broke up. How's that sound? You know, I just, you know, you know I just, I did that voice, right? Imagine a world <laughs> where the Beatles. <laughs> That's right. Imagine a world. But, but can, can you, can you imagine, can you imagine that universe? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Uh, okay. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Well, well, luckily, some dude on the internet was transported to that universe and he brought back proof. So if you go to thebeatlesneverbrokeup.com, you can listen to this album he found on a cassette tape in some parallel dimension or whatever. And uh, he'll tell you even the whole story about how he got it. And you won't be able to hear it right now, Brett. For the listeners at home, here is what it sounds like. Okay, so the real secret is is that somebody on the internet took a lot of post-Beatle solo acts and mashed them together sort of in a girl talk sort of way, and it's amazing. So just wow. go but to the Beatles. Kind of, but this guy's kind of a kindred spirit, right? Because we find weird VHS tapes, <laughs> and he finds he goes, to, he goes to other dimensions and finds, like, Beatles records. This is really cool. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, so so the BeatlesEverBrokeUp.com. If you're into sort of mashups, sort of that style of music, you really love it. It's really fun to try to guess which song came from who, and it's fantastic. So that's all we've got. Brett, I know you got a game you got to get to. It's getting super loud. <laughs> but uh, I do, I do. I know. I tried to find a quiet spot the best I could do. Uh, so, you know, let us know what you're digging. We want to hear about it. We're taking a little break. Let us know over the break what you're digging. Tweet us, Facebook, email, whatever. And uh, also, Nick, I just realized in the moment, um, I forgot to do the credits, too. So maybe you could cover that. That'd be really awesome. <sighs> I, if there's no I, credits, I in one. The, if there's no credits in the show, that's just we're gonna, that's just what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> there it is. So anyway, Brett, enjoy the game. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Diggs in this season, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks.
okay, Nick, you can do this. You can totally do this. It's just credits. It's just reading. Here you go. Let's start with some shout outs. Big thanks to show supporter HCMA Architecture and Design in Vancouver. Check them out at hcma.ca. Thank you to new Patreon supporter and longtime listener Jai Kumar and to all of our incredible supporters on Patreon. If you are a Patreon supporter and want to be on Brett's postcard list, email him at brett at wherethersmoke.co. And if you want to support the show and help us accelerate into season three, please go to supportwts.com. That would mean the world to us. We love getting iTunes reviews from anywhere in the world. This week, Miss AT in Canada wrote, Great discovery. A friend of mine recommended this podcast to me. I'm eating it up like candy. Smart, well-researched, interesting guests and themes, and just enough silly. Thanks to the creators. Thank you, Miss AT. And if you have not, dear listener, please go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. It greatly helps new listeners find out what we're doing, and we're going to need the help for season three. For sharing the show on Twitter, thank you, Kasaba Osbath, at Ed Burry, and Cabaret Fit. Where There's Smoke is conceived, written, produced, fought over, and rested from by Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski. The theme song is written and recorded by Desmond Kinney and remixed by yours truly. Additional music this week by John Mayer, Monty Norman, Blue Dot Sessions, Mads, Kai Engel, Jean-Luc Hefferman, Celine Dion, and of course, like our fifth Beatle, but like the third one, and you know, we're not Beatles, but whatever, Kevin McLeod. Got a podcast thinking about starting one, and do you want it to sound awesome? You should totally hire me to help you. You can find me at podcastmonster.com. And if you're interested in having Brett work with your company or speak at an event, email him at connect at wherethersmoke.co. And lastly, we threw together this theme song for the episode, but unfortunately, it just didn't make the final edit. But it's just too great to leave on the cutting room floor. So... to the top Give me a break I'm looking forward Get behind me, pull out every stop I want a happy ending I'm tired of pretending Won't let them get the best of me Whoa, whoa, whoa Give me a break The game is a Bible Thanks for listening. We love you. And we will see you very soon.